0: Good evening episode 261 Matt from don't unfriend me we have a great show tonight a little bit different intro don't get scared it will all get to normal shortly tonight I won't say the a word but it rhymes with shmish that's right folks the abortion conversation it's in the SCOTUS now there are a lot of changes states rights row will it be overturned everyone has questions I have an opinion and I will bring that to you in just a few moments hey dummies this is Matt from don't unfriend me what is a dummy a dummy is a don't unfriend me it's an acronym it's not an insult so if you hear me say it throughout the show please don't take offense second if you would do me a favor and like share and subscribe you can find all of my sites facebook youtube apple instagram all the podcasts you can think of and rumble stop on by say hello it's at don't unfriend me show i would greatly appreciate it last but not least you can go to Don'tUnfriendMe.com and follow my blog, all of my videos there. You can also hit the shop where I've got Don't Unfriend Me gear like this shirt that you can peruse and find something that you enjoy and support the show. All Made in America, 10% goes to Travis Mannion Foundation for every purchase and veterans get a discount. So thank you. There's my quick advertisement. I'll play this before the show instead of doing it live. And hopefully it makes things go faster. Thanks, dummies. I appreciate it. From an undisclosed location, always honest, always direct, so sit back, relax, Don't Unfriend Me starts right now. Well, good evening once again. My name is Matthew Spear. Welcome to Don't Unfriend Me. One last little thing. There's a counter behind me. It's a Facebook counter. If you're on any of social media, especially Facebook, just give me a like and you'll see that thing change live and you can say, that was me and you'll live in infamy in the digital landscape of ones and zeros forever. Tonight on Don't Unfriend Me, once again, episode 261. I won't say the A word, but it rhymes with Schmishmorsion. A ruling expected in June may see millions of women lose abortion access. Before we get to the whole story, I want to show you a video from The View. Now, I usually don't collude with people from The View. I don't like their opinions. I think they are grandstanding Karens, but we should talk about it tonight. One second, let's get it planned, and uh, we'll go from there. Maybe we won't. Maybe we will. Yesterday, the Supreme Court held arguments over Mississippi law that could ban abortions after 15 weeks, potentially overturning the reproductive freedom of choice that Roe v. Wade provided as a constitutional right. Okay, it was your right. Here's what SCOTUS had to say about it. Take a look. Will this institution survive the stench that this creates in the public perception that the Constitution and its reading are just political acts. Viability, it seems to me, doesn't have anything to do with choice. Um, uh, But if it really is an issue about choice, why is 15 weeks not enough time? So it it seems to me, seen in that light, both Roe and Casey emphasize the burdens of parenting. Why don't the safe haven laws... Take care of that problem it seems to me that it focuses the burden much more narrowly the fetus has an interest in having a life and that doesn't change does it from the point before viability to the point after viability do any of you men have any eggs or the possibility of carrying a fetus How- no we don't have any eggs that's absolutely true however we do have sperm and a fertilizer and without us you wouldn't have a baby either. So it's really a moot point. Why is it always broken down to men? Why is it that men can't have a say? We were there during conception, at least most of us were. We at least donated three seconds of our time. But to literally discount the male's perspective, isn't that what is impacting the black community more than anything else? The lack of a family union, single fathers, single mothers, having caught in a welfare state, reproducing more and more kids to have a a form of salary that will be indicative of a decent life. That's the problem. And for Whoopi Goldberg to sit up here and say this, and why am I giving the view any time? Because millions of people watch this. Millions of voters use these ladies as news. And I'm here to tell you that their vitriol and hate is absolutely appalling. Dare you talk about what a fetus wants. You have no idea. Well, I listen, another point here is that I don't have any idea what a fetus wants. What I have to assume is that the fetus does not want to be vacuumed out and crushed and destroyed and used as used automotive parts for stem cell research either. That is a safe assumption. I'm sure if that fetus could have a cognitive decision and have enough dissonance to say, would you like to be crushed, vacuumed out, destroyed, and blended in pureed, or... Would you like to live a life where you have a chance to breathe and love and actually grow into something that could change the world and possibly come up with a solution that eludes Whoopi Goldberg? And I think the latter and the aforementioned would be the answer. Now I'm I'm fine if you disagree with abortion. I have no problem. No, she's not fine. She just said she wasn't fine. With that, my problem comes when you tell me. What I need to do with my doctor and my family. How dare you? How dare you? Well, and to to speak to the the conversation about viability, what what he said, you know, uh, that amount of weeks is arbitrary. It's not. And to me, this is the difference in why viability matters. You're choosing between two lives. There's a mother. Okay. She slips up. She tries to course direct. You're choosing between two lives. She said it correctly. Then she backpedals and says a fetus. This is the argument. It is two lives. I will go into that in my long form of the show. Let's continue watching. And a a fetus. When the baby or when the, the fetus is able to live outside of the mother, when it's viable, that becomes equal ground. To me, the mother should be put first until that baby can survive outside. So that's why viability matters. Viability doesn't matter because a baby can't survive outside. The baby cannot hunt. It cannot gather. It has a decision making. If you put a baby in the front yard at six months old, it'll get picked up by an owl or an eagle or a raccoon or a fox or a coyote. There is no viability. That's what nurturing. That's what decision making. And that is what the parental unit gets to decide. I'm not against abortion. I don't have that decision. I will talk about that in a second. And it doesn't mean that if Roe is overturned, that it's back alley abortions and coat hangers, because that's what it wasn't, wasn't. What it wasn't before. It certainly was that when it was against the law in certain states. We don't get to decide what the law is. Everyone else does. The collective. It's not a singularity. She makes the right statement. It is a life, and any parent who's listened to an ultrasound or a sonogram or seen one knows this. This is not going to stop abortions if they end up turning this over this will stop safe abortion That's a lie it will not stop safe abortions there are other states that do not that have abortion laws that are strict there are limited amounts of abortion centers in a lot of states and it doesn't increase back alley abortions because we go ahead and vilify it that is the problem if we would educate we would have a completely different scenario but we obfuscate instead we just well, that's the thing. I mean, if you know, they're all into sanctity of life, except when it comes to the four teenagers that just died in Oxford High School. Right. In Michigan. See, this is the problem with these people: is that they go ahead and they say things that are absolutely horrific. What does it have to do with four people who were shot and killed and murdered? It has nothing to do with it. But for you to simply say that a baby is born and therefore it has sanctity of life—that is not true. It is not a foreign object. It's not a cancer. It's not a tumor. It's not a virus. A baby is exactly where it belongs when it's in the mother's womb. That is where it's designed to be. How about their right to life and their right to uh, you know p- pursue happiness? Watch America, which I like to watch America and I watch television a lot. It's a very interesting schism that goes on here because on the one hand, sex sells everywhere. I mean, yeah. you can't see an aspirin commercial without somebody having sex. Mm-hmm. You cannot turn on any program, especially on like streaming. This one. Okay, so Joy Joy is gonna make a point here in this woman of Joy Behar. I don't know what's up with women named Joy. The po- they have no joy in their life. This woman is completely unhappy. Here's the thing that I don't understand. She's going to go ahead and make comments and try to make a delineation between sex and sexualization of children on TV, in books, in magazines, on on, on in song. But that's not the Republican Party doing that. In fact, Republicans have been fairly strict when it comes to pornography and the, and, and the completely indoctrination of children and sexualization of children. We're not the ones that are trying to make pedophilia part of the LGBTQP community and not use the word pedophiles anymore. But she's trying to go ahead and assign that to Republicans and then say in the same breath that because we sexualize and we are more promiscuous somehow, that we wanna have complete ignorance of what happens posthumously from sexual intimacy when we know more about that than just about anybody because we believe in the sanctity of life it's the most ignorant fucking argument i've ever heard and it makes no sense her party is the one doing that and then denying that life that happens during reproduction is not real until they say so where people are having this there's soft porn everywhere now. Right. They encourage all of that. It sells everything. Sex sells. Yeah. And yet when it comes to the reality of pregnancy, mm. this particular group of people on the right in this country and these religious zealots do not understand the reality of what happens when you have sex. It's almost like they don't want to see that part. They just want to see the fun yeah. in the bed, yeah. not the second part. Well, let's, and well, what let's I, see what conservative Congress... Yes, because when I think of whips, dips, chains, and clips, I think of religious people. They call it the missionary position for a reason. This is the biggest load of horse shit you will hear out of this woman's mouth until tomorrow. People we'll do now when they get their mistresses pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, how do they get to stay on TV? How is this on Facebook? She just said, they're going to go ahead, Republicans are going to have abortions when they have their mistresses pregnant. Are you telling me that Democrats don't have mistresses? Mr. Bill Clinton doesn't have a mistress? John F. Kennedy didn't have a mistress? Who the hell are we kidding? How many senators have actually been removed from office due to sexual allegations? It's the most ridiculous show I've ever seen. And this last comment tops it all off. Here's the thing. I can do this all day with The View, and I've done it many times with this show and many others. But this ruling is important. Anti-abortion activists are urging the court to protect unborn children, But experts warn of the increase in maternal mortality of abortion is restricted. Both sides of the debate regard the case, which is Dobbs versus Jackson, women's health organization, as an all-or-nothing fight over abortion rights. Lawyers defending the Mississippi law have asked the court to overturn two previous landmark decisions regarding abortion. The first is 1973's Roe v. Wade, which gave women in the U.S. an absolute right to an abortion in the first three months of pregnancy and limited rights in the second trimester. And in 1992 in Planned Parenthood v. Casey, the court ruled that states could not place an undue burden on women seeking abortions before a fetus could survive outside the womb at about 24 weeks. In the years since the fetal viability Standard has acted as a red line in abortion law, preventing any bans on abortion before this time. But anti-abortion campaigners hope the current ideological makeup of the court has created a new opening, as we saw in the Supreme Court. It's the highest tribunal in the U.S. and rules on legal appeals involving constitutional and federal law. It has been reshaped by three appointments under former President Donald Trump and has been called the most conservative-leaning in modern U.S. history, with 6-3 to three conservative majority. If the court strikes down Roe v. Wade or rules that Mississippi law does not place an undue burden on women seeking abortions, at least 21 states are expected to introduce abortion restrictions, including outright bans after 15 weeks. In these states, nearly half of U.S. women of a reproductive age, 18 to 49, some 36 million people could lose abortion access, according to research from Planned Parenthood, a healthcare organization that provides abortions and also uses taxpayer dollars for other nefarious deeds, and we know this. I want to be really clear here. I'm a conservative. My choice to be pro-life isn't one based on moral platitudes. It has nothing to do with my religious beliefs. It isn't a topic I readily delve into social gatherings. A wonderful song called Heaven by Live sums it up nicely for me. Quote I don't need no one to tell me about heaven. I look at my daughter and I believe no truer words have been spoken. My belief in something higher and purposeful doesn't come from a book or an advocacy group. It comes from me looking at my daughter every day and never, ever seeing a clump of cells from the very first ultrasound. Life begins when it is yours, period. Nobody will ever understand this, no matter how many books they read or debates they may participate in. Life begins when you know it to be true. That is a path of self-discovery and ownership. I won't say I haven't asked for a woman to get an abortion after a one-night stand. I have. I will not say that a woman had an abortion without telling me in my life either. I won't even say if my high-risk wife was to become pregnant now, from our own inadequate precautions, I'm pretty sure I may make a decision I could regret. But those decisions are mine, my wife's, and anyone else we invite to deliberate, the government, and you are not invited. However, in a world today where SUVs seem to drive by themselves into crowds of holiday gatherers with the media failing to even acknowledge a driver was behind the wheel, also in a world where an actor can stand in front of cameras and blame the gun instead of the man who pulled the trigger and aimed a gun at a person by claiming that he never pulled the trigger and would never aim a gun at a person is not only delusional but welcome to every legal gun owner and welcome to our thoughts on how we have felt for the last few decades. Guns don't shoot people by themselves and babies attend and being born immaculately conceived except for a story that really isn't for you unless your name is Mary or Joseph. The argument about abortion is like discussing a car heading over a ravine after you failed to have the brakes checked, had a few drinks, and decided to drive down a coastal highway at 120 miles an hour. Lots of decisions could have been made before the plunge. So save me, it's the my choice singular defense. Maybe that can work as a collective argument, but not a singular one. You had plenty of choices, but you chose the lazy and self-centered way out. But more on that in a minute. When it comes to determining if something is morally wrong, we have to do a few things. First, we have to specify what part of the action may or may not be morally wrong. Second, we have to decide how we judge right and wrong. The first might seem obvious, but it's not quite so simple. If abortion is wrong, it is not wrong because the act involves expelling a fetus from a uterus. We can agree, right? Birth amounts to the exact same thing, and that is clearly not wrong. Similarly, it cannot be wrong because it is an artificial action, i.e. defying the natural order for pregnancy, unless one also believes it is wrong to get a C-section. Rather, I think most people who oppose abortion do so because it necessarily results in a failed pregnancy, failed in the sense that it does not end with a living infant. For this reason, some call abortion murder. So the action under moral question is the purposeful termination of pregnancy. How do we determine if that is wrong? There are several theories on morality. I'll give you the gist of the two most basic ones. Then I'll overview a few of the more common arguments on if and when abortion is permissible. The first of these theories is deontology. It's the rule of morality. You may recognize this theory if you've heard of Immanuel Kant. I had to look it up. This theory states that certain types of actions are right or wrong and that status does not change with circumstance. For example, stealing is wrong. It is wrong even if you really want to steal. The thing is, and it is wrong even if you will starve to death if you don't steal it, right? Similarly, killing is wrong. Notably, that killing is wrong rule is universal, but it does not apply to all things. For example, most deontologists would not argue that veganism is necessary because killing animals is always wrong. And surely no one would seriously argue that killing plants for food is wrong. Thus, according to deontology, the purposeful termination of pregnancy is wrong if, number one, it amounts to killing the fetus, and two, a fetus is the type of thing this rule applies to. However, if it is wrong, it is wrong in every case, even in incest, rape, Etc. And if it is wrong, then it's wrong. And if it isn't wrong, then it's wrong in no case. The second theory, we'll look at it utilitarianism. This theory states that the right action is the one that produces the most good and the least bad, and all other actions are wrong. For example, stealing is wrong if it helps you a little and hurts the object's owner a lot. But if you need something or even just really want it, then stealing would be the right action in that case. We can't quantify good and bad, so this is tricky to determine for sure, but we can make educated guesses. Notably, this theory is particular to each case. Thus, abortion would not be wrong, but maybe some instance of abortions would be. However, recall that we are stuck with nothing more than educated guesses on when abortion would result in more good or more bad. Thus, the decision would likely have to be left up to the pregnant woman, as she would have the best perspective to make the closest guess. Thus, if you accept utilitarianism, then no abortion is not wrong in general, and you cannot say it's wrong in the cases where you yourself are not the one pregnant. Of course, there are many other ethical theories, and you don't have to accept either, but you have to be consistent. If you decide that abortion is permissible or impermissible wrong, for X reason, then that reason should inform your other moral views. For example, if abortion is always wrong because it amounts to killing a living thing and all living things deserve life, then you will have to accept that killing plants for food is most indeed wrong. And killing tapeworms is wrong. If you decide that it is always wrong to kill humans and decide that a fetus counts as a human because it has human DNA, then it is also wrong to kill cancer cells if it is always wrong to kill fetuses because they count as human, but instead take the criteria for humanness to be the potential for human thought, i.e. if left undisturbed, the fetus would be born and eventually become a full-grown human, then you cannot accept the death penalty for any crime, nor can you condone war under any circumstance. If you decide that abortion is wrong only when the woman chose to get pregnant, i.e. not an accident then we are all accountable for the consequence of our purposeful actions. Thus, if you crash while riding a bike without a helmet, then doctors shouldn't fix your head injury. And if you invest all your money in Bitcoin, then you're hooped if you lose it all. If you decide that abortion is wrong only when the result of preventing the abortion would be greater than allowing it, then you must also accept that all rules can be broken in this way. Killing innocents may be wrong, usually, but if 1,000 or a million or a billion people really enjoy watching a grown man slowly decapacitate a sedated 10-year-old or decapitate them, then that action may not be wrong. If you decide that no matter whether the fetus is a person, no matter whether the woman originally intended to become pregnant, the woman's right to autonomy, the right to choose what happens to your own body is more important than you also have to accept that your father can choose to reject the chemotherapy that has a 90% chance of saving his life. Some of these consequences may be perfectly acceptable to you. Others will seem appalling. I can't tell you what to think, but you have to accept the moral consequences of whatever system you choose to accept. If you can accept the consequences of taking as one of the above moral views on abortion, congratulations. You have your answer. If every one of the above consequences seems unreasonable, then you can't accept any of the stances I laid out. In that case, you'll have to find another stance and decide if you can accept the consequences of it altogether. If you are wondering my view, is that autonomy is the most important consideration. Though I don't like abortion, no person is wrong to choose it because they have the right to control what happens to their own body. Except we don't because of the draft, but we're not talking about men, we're talking about women. And yes, I do accept the consequences of that view for the draft, and the abortion. Convincing me that abortion is wrong is arbitrary. You would have to convince me that you have a better grasp over a woman's health than she herself does along with her doctor. You would have to convince me that the right of bodily autonomy is less important than it is in our culture, or that it needs to have less importance overall. You'll have to convince me that your position is not one of sexual slavery or servitude or against somebody's will. You would have to convince me that the risk-benefit analysis is entirely in the mother's favor to carry the baby to full term with absolutely zero equivocation. You have to convince me that your position is not merely for interpretation of your own religion and is actually secular in nature. And even then, you still might not convince me because I don't believe I have the right to decide what is right for a situation I cannot possibly be affected by. See, I already believe abortion is wrong, but I have no dog in this fight, no stake. My body is unaffected. So I believe it is more wrong to oppose my belief on those who do have to go through pregnancy and therefore are far more capable of making the moral choice and make the sacrifice necessary. However, the other side, too, there is a coin, and it is incomplete and it's an utter disregard for open dialogue and conversation for the betterment of society, there is the personal argument and then the collective argument. And I believe the collective argument is where pro-choicers fail. Yes, the majority of Americans believe a woman has the right to choose. That is because an actual right, it is. But if you change the question, do you believe abortion is wrong or right morally, the delta is a hell of a lot more broad. When it comes to taking someone's life, no one has the right to choose. Of course, pro-choicers don't see abortion as killing, but pro-lifers do. For pro-lifers who believe that terminating a pregnancy is taking someone's life away, saying that you have the right to choose seems more like an attack on the right to live than valid reason for getting an abortion. If abortion rights activists hope to present a persuasive argument or one that makes them not appear to be heartless baby killers— they need to stop heralding the mantras of it's her body and she has the right to choose. Being pro-life doesn't mean being anti-woman's rights. It simply means having a perspective that differs from the pro-choice perception of when life starts. The argument that needs to take center stage in the abortion rights movement is one that contends with the perception of when life starts, not one that focuses on women's rights. So don't try to convince me abortion is wrong. That's not the battle you need to fight. Convince me that women aren't the right people to make this decision with the advice of the father, people of their choosing, and medical professionals. And then try and convince me or someone who hears the heartbeat of their child for the first time or sees the clump of cells or the mother who knows within days that she is pregnant like my wife did twice that life only begins when you say it does, because it doesn't. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. Thank you for watching. Thank you for staying on live. I've got a few more things I want to talk about tonight, so stay with me, and we will chat together. God bless. Have a wonderful night, but first, before I go, the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255, press 1. Veteran crisis and suicide are very, very important to me. Traumatic brain injury, PTS, anxiety, depression are all very real. Please do me a favor, reach out to a vet if they need help. If they won't talk to you, reach out to me. I'll make that call with you. It is 100% free. It is anonymous. You can go to my website and click on the VCL link at don'tunfriendme.com. You'll be connected free of charge, like I said. And if you are not a veteran, they will still take care of you. Thank you, everybody. I'll be back for the after show in a few seconds. Have a good night, and God bless.